You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. We have a preview for this upcoming Sunday night game between the Saints and the Packers. Should be a good one between two legendary quarterbacks. And for this game, I have a good friend of mine coming on the show to talk about all things Packers here. We got Dave Stager, the host of the Heavy D Football Show. Dave, first off, thank you for coming on the show. And second, let people know where you can find your podcast and where they can find you on Twitter. That is no problem for coming on, Chris. You're a good friend of mine, and it's plenty of fun to talk about football, let alone Packers Saints, being the two of the top teams in the NFC. You can find me at Heavy D Show for Heavy D's Football Show and at Dave Stager 731 on Twitter, folks. I've always got content rolling out. I just added a new co-host, Jimmy Smith, the former wide receiver from the Jaguars, as my co-host on there. So we got plenty of NFL content coming out on there. And now before I go into Saints Packers, i got to ask you, since you are doing shows with Jimmy Smith, do we have any you know, inclination of what's going on there? I know he wants to coach at Jackson State with Deion Sanders. I think that would be a pretty good fit uh, with what's going on over there. Oh, yeah. He's all up in arms on trying to go over there and coach. He loves Deion Sanders to begin with. And then he's also a Jackson State alumni, so he wants to go back and coach where he went to school. So – I think it's a perfect fit for him. He's been ranting and raving about Dion going there for the past couple of days, and I, I know he really does want to go back. He even made a video for TMZ and explaining he, he wants to go back. I'm tagging every tweet with Dion Sanders and Jimmy on there to get Dion to notice Jimmy because Jimmy offers a lot of knowledge and coaching ability to younger players. He's already done that with younger players that's played along with his sons going through college. It's at Wyoming now, so – I definitely think he could make a difference there. It would be pretty cool to see a bunch of former players on one coaching staff. So now let's switch over to the Packers and talk about what's well, been a fantastic start for them. They're 2-0, and and it's just not just that they're 2-0. and It's the way they're winning football games. They look dominant on offense, which is something that a lot of people had concerns about last year. Last year was really the surprising defense that won all the headlines, and now it's that offense clicking with 40-plus uh, point games and back-to-back showings. What has been different for Aaron Rodgers? Because remember last year, we're like, okay, here comes the decline. It's happening. He's 36. It's normal for this to happen. And all of a sudden, I'm looking back at his numbers in terms of QB rating and other stats right now. He's putting up something. And I know it's two games in and it's still early, but he looks like 2011 Aaron Rodgers with the way he's slinging the football. What do you see that's different? Or do you think it's just something that, hey, he had another year with Matt LaFleur's system, and that's why he's showing such improvement? So I'm going to make a joke because everyone was kind of ranting and raving about this when it happened. Um, I think, hey, he broke up with Danica Patrick a couple months ago, and look what happened. And he just went on Pat McAfee's show and said, hey, a couple months ago, I've been really happy looking at life a different perspective. So I had to make a joke there. Danica was holding him down. But, no, I, I think Aaron Rodgers said he went back and looked at the tape from 2010 and 2011 during training camp in the offseason he found something wrong with his mechanics that he was doing then or I'm sorry he found something with his mechanics he was doing then and he's not doing now he has put those mechanics back into what he's doing now and there's a couple things I found from watching his tape just to see and I found that the way his foot platform is he has a wider spread on his feet when he throws he's actually planting both feet when he throws I know he jumps off the ground, but when he does it, he plants both feet. And on top of that, he has a better follow-through with the football. Before, he was kind of getting maligned if you go watch 2019 and 2018 tape compared to 2010 and 2011. 
So there's that big a factor. And plus, the biggest thing, Chris, is the fact that he went ahead and bought into Matt LaFleur's offense. If you watch the tape from week one and week two, Aaron Rodgers takes the check down pass all day long now. And last year, you couldn't get him to do that. He wanted to go for the big play. He wanted to go ahead and move the ball downfield. No, he takes the five-yard check down last week to Aaron Jones at least three or four times, take the check down to Devontae Adams a couple times. And that right there has had him recognize, hey, five yards check down, boom. Another five yards check down, boom, first down. He has bought into Matt LaFleur's system, i.e. the Mike Shanahan tree. But that's a huge thing for a veteran quarterback to buy into a system like that. And I think this offense is really going to be special because you see the offense evolve in year two with Rodgers and having that knowledge of he knows where the open guy's going to be. He's going to have two or three options in his head already two plays before. So that's where I think it's going to make a difference is the fact that he's fixed, he fixed his mechanics. And on top of that, he has bought into LaFleur's system fully. So we all know Devontae Adams is a stud. I mean, he's one of the best receivers out there in the National Football League. How comfortable are you, though, with the rest of this receiving course? I know Valdez Scantling is one of those guys where from time to time he makes a big play, and then Alan Lazard um, is more, I'd say, consistent than Valdez Scantling. But I think Valdez Scantling is that type of talent that, if he can evolve, can be that wide receiver, too, for this offense. So last year a lot of people said Aaron Rodgers didn't have weapons outside of Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Where do you stand – on his current receiving corps going into week three. So MVS, as I call him, because I always mess up his name whenever I try to pronounce it. MVS is a talented wide receiver. He kind of reminds me of Devontae Adams a little bit early on in his career. He had a bunch of drops, confidence issues, and Rodgers stuck with him. And it looks like he's doing the same thing with MVS. And I think that's going to be a weapon that could develop into a solid wide receiver too. It's already shown the past couple weeks with him going back on a couple deep balls, one to close the game against Detroit and the other one to have a bomb to against or a bomb against Minnesota Vikings. That is a huge factor to add in with that. But then Alan Lazard is such an underrated piece because he's always seeming to be there whenever Rodgers needs him. He's being that possession receiver as a wide receiver two or wide receiver three. But the biggest piece in the wide receiver core is Aaron Jones. His ability to receive out of the backfield is giving Rodgers that extra weapon that's not just a wide receiver, but you also have Tyler Irvin as well. Both running backs serve as basically a Z-back in that perspective. Even though Aaron Jones is the main running back, they both serve as like a Z-back type out of passing down situations. So, obviously, this one's more subjective than anything else out there, but there's a lot of 2-0 teams. The Packers happen to be one of them. Look, I know the Seahawks look good. What do you think about the Packers, though, if someone says through two weeks, are they the best team in the NFC through your mind? Obviously, that could change week to week, but through two weeks, do you think this is the best team in the NFC? No, not currently. I think they are one of the top teams in the NFC, but I think that they still have some things to work on. I've seen a ton of drops. I've seen a ton of missed errors on defense and I know they've corrected itself in both weeks but that's got to happen against a team coming up like the Saints and the Saints have shown that they can um, get through on week one against a tough Tampa team I just think they fell unfortunate to a a weird situation in Las Vegas opening a brand new stadium the Raiders are hyped I just think Saints also missing Mike, Michael Thomas is a huge factor there and I think Saints are the best team in the NFC along with Seattle. I think Green Bay is right behind them. I just think that there needs to be a a little bit more consistency because last year in the offense, we saw a lot of inconsistencies game to game. Now, 
I need to see that against New Orleans this week. If they can beat New Orleans in New Orleans, which they haven't done in, since 1995, I believe, Chris, they, they have a chance to put themselves at the supreme top of the NFC, in my opinion. The 49ers have fallen from grace here with the injuries, and I don't know if they're going to make up with it with a tough NFC West. Seattle looks good, but their defense is showing a little vulnerable sign and that, to me, is is a problem. But I'm going to put Green Bay behind Seattle currently and New Orleans. So you mentioned Michael Thomas. And I'm going to segue here to the Saints side of things. This is a big thing because I think Michael Thomas, um, you know, if you're talking as a rational fan, analyst, whatever, I would prefer if he sits out this week because you don't want him re-aggravating that ankle injury. At the same time, we don't have any injury reports at the time of this recording. We'll get one later today on this Wednesday. And – I wouldn't be shocked if he tries to play this weekend. And if he does, it's going to be interesting because obviously the Packers do have a pretty talented secondary. And on the flip side, the Saints do need him. It was very clear why they paid him all that money. Without him in the the lineup, the offense looked a little anemic. I want to talk about Drew Brees because this has been the topic of the week in the NFL. And I remember back then when people were worried about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers gave his famous relaxed speech and everyone bought in after that. And that was working. And now this is a different circumstance because Drew is 41 Drew is not Aaron Rodgers in terms of arm talent. Well, I think Breeze in terms of mindset or mental, um, you know, the mental makeup might be better than Rodgers. Rodgers is probably the most talented arm we've seen since Mahomes has come in. Drew has never been a guy that's going to wow you with his arm. He's not going to hit you for 30, 40-yard passes. He really is a guy that's just going to try and pick you apart like a surgeon. And Monday was tough watching him, but then I went back and looked at the film and realized, well, he did make some bad throws, and he was not good. There were also some balls where the receivers are stopping on routes. And when that happens, an inaccurate pass looks way worse than it actually is. And everyone on Tuesday was ready to say he's done. And look, he might be done. I'm not ready yet to say he's done. If he looks terrible against the Packers, I'll probably say, okay, I'm trending that direction. But as a person with no dog in this fight, per se, for Drew Brees, what do you think? Do you think people are right saying he's done? Or do you think we got to wait and see? Because there were many times where Breeze and Brady have been told before they're washed up and they continue to play. So I've had this thing about Breeze for the past couple of years. I'm not saying he's done, but you can see his age hit him later in the year, a little sooner each year. So two years ago in the NFC Championship game, you saw him kind of have a little bit of a weaker arm in later in that game. And then you saw it in the New Orleans game versus Minnesota last year. That was a huge thing to me, and it was an underrated situation on him moving the ball last year in that game, and you're seeing it a little bit in week one and week two. And you're not seeing the big bombs from him, like you said. That hasn't happened in four to six years. you got to go all the way back to Marquez Colst- or Marquise Colston tape to find big bombs and stuff like that this offense has generated about 15 20 yard max throws four yards and you're not going to see him bomb the ball it's not that he's hit the age wall well hold on a second I think he has hit the age wall but the thing is the Saints are working with him on it I'm not saying he's done but you can just see when he tries to put some oomph into a ball it just comes out wobbly and that's my thing it's it's not that he's done it's the fact he can play smart with how his body is adjusting with age. And I think the Saints are doing that. But without Michael Thomas, the offense can struggle with that. Oh, look, Dave, I'm not going to argue on that. I think in terms of wowing you and being able to say, hey, Drew Brees is going to drop back and, and throw this one 25-30, it's not going to happen. But what I think he's capable of doing, though, because he is such a smart quarterback, is if you're telling him, 
hey, look, if you got to dink and dunk your way to success, I think Drew is one of those guys who might be able to do it because he does have talent around him. Michael he will Thomas. do it, yeah. I think he'll be able to do it. And then my other thing is, too, which I find crazy about the way everyone's handling this thing, and look, he's not the Drew Brees of old. We just saw Ryan Tannehill and Jimmy Garoppolo make conference championship games. I'm not saying that those guys aren't good quarterbacks, but I'm saying a Drew Brees as a game manager – can get that done. If the rest of the team is playing up to par as well, I think there's just a couple of overreactions to a team, which by the way, I think the Raiders are a hell of a team. I think the Raiders might shock people and be a six or a seven seed in the AFC. You never know. They got a lot of talent Agreed. on the ball. So I really think that's half of it, but let's switch over to the matchups in this one. Cause there's a lot of good ones. And the one that I'm most interested in seeing is Marshawn Lattimore versus Devontae Adams, because these are two guys who are towards the top of their position. I think Adams is definitely way more consistent in his position than Lattimore is because Lattimore has that tendency of turning the switch on and off where Adams is just an absolute baller week one through week 17 as long as he's healthy. I know he's got a little bit of a hamstring tweak. Doesn't sound like he's going to miss this game as of now. Uh, what are you looking forward to when it comes to that matchup? So an update on Devonta Adams. A lot of people think this is just a mind game, I guess, what Sean Payton's doing with Michael Thomas, and I think LaFleur is doing it in reverse. I think he's saying, oh, yeah, well, he was about to go back in last week. Well, he's got a hamstring strain. We'll see what's up. So I think he's doing it reverse way of what Michael Thomas is doing, of trying to beat the decoy all week and making the team prepare. But with Lattimore and Devonta Adams, Lattimore plays a lot of press. He likes to get up, kind of get in your grill. And Devonte Adams, that's his forte, man. If you try to come up and press him, he'll give you one switch and then give you a double move, and he'll make you pay for it. We all know Devonte Adams is, if not one of the best, if the best person off the line with his first and second move. And there's a lot of corners that have paid the price for trying to get up and get physical with him, and he they don't even touch him, and he's already gone two or three yards down the field for a 30-yard gain because Rodgers can hit him in stride with that. So that that's my thing is if – if Lattimore wants to get up and get physical, he's going to have to have those fluid hips because if he doesn't, he's going to be in trouble. That's my only thing is he his hips kind of get stiff at times when he tries to get physical. And if he gets stiff with Devonta Adams, it's not going to end well with double moves or quick slants. Yeah, look, I, I think that's the thing. And the weird thing about Lattimore I've noticed, and that's why, well, Devonta Adams is obviously going to beat him on a couple of plays because he's that good. Lattimore has this weird mentality, and Saints fans, we've been getting, you know, going nuts over it. When he faces a top receiver, whether it's a Mike Evans or an Amari Cooper, he shows up for the game. He is ready to play. And then when he goes up against your no-name guys like you saw in week two, like a Hunter Renfro or a Brian Edwards, it's almost like he takes his foot off the gas. And I don't know if it's a, a mentality thing where, hey, look, I, I'm going to play down on my competition. That can't happen in the National Football League. Obviously, you will get burnt if you do that. But I've noticed he had that tendency, so I'm really interested to see what happens there. I don't think he's going to be able to have the success he had against Mike Evans against Devontae Adams because, like you said, Devontae Adams has that twitch to him, and he runs routes so effectively – where Mike Evans, great receiver, don't get me wrong, he does not have that ability to just you know switch and flip his hips the way Devontae Adams does. So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. If it goes 50-50, I think that'll be a win for the Saints because Devontae obviously has the, the explosive ability to change a game there. Another thing I want to talk about is the way that the Packers are able to block Cam Jordan, who has not started off the season well. No sacks through two games. Trey Hendrickson has actually been the better defensive end for the Saints now. I'm going by common sense slash logic here. I think Marcus Davenport is playing in this game because he missed the first two games. The Saints didn't put him on the short-term IR, which would have been three weeks. If you didn't put him on IR, 
then your idea is he probably plays for that third game. We'll see if he practices today, obviously. But how do you feel about whether it's Rick Wagner or Jenkins at right tackle? I'm not sure which combination the Packers are going to go with this weekend. How do you feel about them going up against Cam Jordan, who obviously we know is an all-pro talent, but has started this season pretty slow? So Rick Wagner started last week for Detroit, and he didn't let one single pressure, one single hurry on Aaron Rodgers. He had that against week one when he came in on the fly once a couple guards got injured in that Minnesota game and he came in on the fly and didn't, he had a couple hurries with Ngakwe, but no pressures, no hits, no sacks for Minnesota. And that was Rick Wagner coming on the fly. I said, so he started last week prepared for it and he did surprisingly well. I was kind of worried because he's shown a lot of struggles with Detroit before Green Bay picked him up. And I just think it's because he's been consistently injured. I think this offseason, even though it's been a weird COVID offseason, I think it's been a blessing to a guy like Wagner because it's been able to heal up his body. And he showed a little bit of flashes what he used to be in Baltimore this past Sunday. I get it's Trey Flowers. I know he's a lower-tier pass rusher than Cam Jordan. I just think that Wagner, if he can play solid like that, and you're good, you're probably going to have Mercedes Lewis on his right side as well, which one of the best blocking tight ends in the league is basically an extra tackle is going to be put on Cam Jordan. It doesn't matter if he has any sacks now, Chris. Cam Jordan can turn it on in any game, anywhere. We both know that. So Cam Jordan is a threat. That's why I don't. I think it's going to be a. That's why I think it's going to be a solid matchup, Chris. I think. I think Wagner and Jordan is going to be a, a very underrated matchup of the game. I know Adams and Lattimore is the shiny big matchup you want to talk about, but Jordan and Wagner, I think whoever just has the solid day, I mean, even if Jordan does have a couple sacks, if he has a couple pressures, hits, just rattling Rodgers, maybe that does it. But, I mean, if he doesn't turn it on, and like you said, he's been kind of maligned these past couple weeks, then I think Wagner wins that one. But if Jordan is able to flip that switch – and turn on his all-pro play that we've seen in years past, I think he gets a couple sacks or maybe even a couple pressures. Yeah, and I, I've noticed the past two games, the Packers have done a phenomenal job of keeping Aaron Rodgers clean. There was a clip from week one when they played the Vikings that went viral. I mean, he was just sitting there back in the pocket, had all day to throw. I saw Bakatari was just manhandling Ngaku, and I was like, all right, I mean, this line looks ready to go from week one out of the gate. Um, so obviously you want to be able to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers and vice versa. The Packers want to get pressure on Drew Brees, which brings me to the point with last year, the free agent signings that really stole the show were the Smith brothers, obviously not actually brothers, but that's what everyone goes by with Zedarius and Preston. They were phenomenal last year. Now they're going to have a tough matchup when they're going to rush on those edges. If they do come down, they're going to go up against big time talents in Armstead and Ramchek. I personally, the one thing I feel comfortable about the Saints offense is that they do have elite tackles to keep their aging quarterback upright. But, you know, those Smith boys can play. How do you feel about them and the way they've looked to start the season and what they can do on a Sunday night football game like this? So it looks like Green Bay Packers will get Kenny Clark back, which makes a huge difference on that interior D-line, which can definitely help the Smith brothers. But not only are the Smith brothers producing, you're going to see a lot of Rashawn Gary on those tackles. And he's a former defensive tackle with outside linebacker speed, and he's showing it. He's he's tied, or I think a half a sack back for the lead of the uh, sacks for the Packers was a Darius Smith, and with him, you're going to put him on the outside. And what I've seen with Kenny Clark being out or in, Mike Pettin has actually been rushing Zadarius up the gut 
as like a blitzing middle linebacker, even though he's an outside linebacker, he blitzes him up the gut and puts pressure right on the center and guards right along with Kenny Clark. And that's what's able to get him through the line so easily. Week 16 last year against Minnesota was a prime example of it, folks. If you want to go watch the tape, he'll rush him up the gut on a stump blitz at the last second and switch him around Clark and Zadarius is just right there in the QB's face. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see Preston Smith and Gary probably rushing from the edges, Chris, and you're going to see Zadarius and Kenny Clark probably from the middle. Yeah, and I, I think Kenny Clark coming back would be huge, not just obviously getting interior pressure. What he does is a run stuffer as well, big for the Packers. And I think they paid him in the offseason pretty well. You obviously want to get a good return on your investment there. So let's go into a couple of fun ones, a little couple of fun predictions, individuals. I actually have a matchup if you don't mind, Chris. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, Dave, throw it in there. I actually got two reverse ones in the same kind of positions. Demario Davis versus Aaron Jones. I think those two right there are going to be with each other a lot Sunday night. I think Demario Davis is going to be the guy to try to cover Aaron Jones out of the backfield on a run, on those stretch plays. He's going to, those are two are going to be the ones that kind of decide the flow of the game, in my opinion, because Demario's such a solid inside linebacker. I wanted him when he came out of free agency, but the Saints picked him up from the Jets, I believe. And I love the way Davis plays, but Aaron Jones is such a counterpart to that. I think that's a huge matchup. And then reverse Christian Kirksey with Elvin Kamara. That's the new linebacker they acquired, and he's the linebacker that Blake Martinez wasn't last year. He can get sideline to sideline, and he's able to bring physicality by getting to the ball carrier. I'm not saying he's going to do that against Kamara. I'm just saying it's a huge improvement from what we had at Martinez, and I think that those two inside linebacker matchups versus the running backs opposite of the teams is going to play a big part. So the funny thing is that you mentioned both those, which, by the way, those two running backs have been reality, fantasy. It doesn't matter what type of football you're playing. Fire. They have been <laughs> amazing, the two of them. Uh, I actually think, and that people can call it a hot take. I don't think it is at the, at the, you know, what year we're in, in 2020, with these quarterbacks getting a little bit older. Obviously, Rodgers is still playing fantastic football right now. I think whichever running back has the bigger game might actually decide this one because they're so explosive. I mean, Aaron Jones is coming off about a 200-plus yard scrimmage game. Then you have Kamara, who has four touchdowns or three game, two games playing well. I mean, those two have been so good. I think if they're able to be game breakers and just rip apart the opposing defense, it's going to give them that edge in this one. And usually you think about, oh, Rodgers, Breeze, that's going to be the deciding one. I don't know about it. In today's NFL right now, I think Kamara and Jones have a chance of deciding that one. So I have a question for you when it comes to those two running backs. Mm -hmm. Who do you think is going to have the better game? Now, I think both are going to be fantastic because I don't think either defense has faced a talent yet like that. I know the Vikings played uh, the the Vikings, the Packers, and Dalvin Cook's a great running back. But Alvin, as a receiver, is just so much better than Dalvin, in my opinion. And he brings that extra edge. And for the Saints side, yeah, Josh Jacobs is really good. And I know Leonard Fournette is a good up-the-middle type guy and running in between the tackles, but he's not Aaron Jones who's able to go out there and play as a receiver and a runner. So both defenses are going to get a nice challenge this week. Who do you think has the better game? Man, I almost want to call it a split, Chris. I hate to be that guy, but they both bring the same qualities to the table. Kamara and Jones are both patient. They're able to have a nice one jump cut inside zone running. They're able to split out to those little flat passes or just – motion out to the slot or even out wide and work against a linebacker or safety. And that matchup usually wins most times there. I know Jones is smaller than Kamara, but 
I just feel like they're almost their play is almost identical, you know, with what they offer and what they do. But um, man, Aaron Jones has uh, four touchdowns as well. He had one in Minnesota and had three against Detroit. I know the defenses are different than what Kamara has faced these past two weeks, but still Aaron Jones is producing no matter who's in front of him. And he had 19 touchdowns last year. I think even if Jones doesn't get the yardage that Kamara does, I think Jones finds the end zone zone a couple of times on Sunday night. Yeah. He's a touchdown machine. I've noticed that since last year. I mean, even though his yards weren't great last year, I think he finished with like 18 total touchdowns, maybe more. And I was like, you know, this man just has a nose for the end zone and it works. Um, I think the saints will be able in terms of stopping him in the run, have a have decent success. They've done a good job of avoiding 100-yard rushers. I don't know how the Saints are going to match up against him as a receiver, though. I think that could be an issue. Um, DeMario's going to have to play a fantastic game, as you mentioned before, if the Saints want to. On the flip side, with the Saints, you never know what they're going to do when it comes to running the football. Sometimes they almost abandon the run, which is ridiculous to think of because their quarterback is 41 years old. But sometimes they do that. I think Kamara will have a better receiving game. Then Aaron Jones, I could see Aaron Jones finishing with more total yards, but I do also agree. I think Jones will find the end zone one way or another. He does it every week. He'll find a way to do it in this one. But I do think Kamara is going to be the X factor. If Kamara plays well for the Saints, they'll have a chance to win this football game. It's come to the point, if you don't have Michael Thomas, Kamara is by far the best offensive player on this team at this stage in their careers. So I do like that. I want to ask you a really quick question. It's a little off topic, but it has to do with Aaron Jones. And I got I to gotta ask a quick question here that's going to put you on the spot because the Saints went through a similar predicament this past couple of months, I think, uh, with Kamara. Do you want the Packers to sign Aaron Jones? Are you okay with them letting him go? And let's go with A.J. Dillon and see what happens. A lot of Packers fans are coming out, especially a Packers analyst. I'm not trying to call him out, but Ross Uglum is like against paying running backs. I don't know why. I love Aaron Jones and what he offers. He is the running back for Matt LaFleur's offense. He is a perfect back for it. And that's why I think you got to keep him. And then you also have, if you have the running backs you have behind him, if Jamal Williams, I would rather keep Aaron Jones, let Jamal Williams go off in free agency. I love Jamal Williams, but I don't want to pay out the rear end for him to keep him as a backup when we have A.J. Dillon, who we just drafted, who is the hammer, and he showed he can catch out of the backfield in training camp. I'm fine with that. Aaron Jones I want to pay because it's such a weapon to keep with Aaron Rodgers, and it's a type of player that can extend an older QB's career. You look at Drew Brees, he got Kamara. He's playing 41 years old. That's my thing is Aaron Jones, if you get a three-, four-year extension, and they've already – talked about with the Packers and Aaron Jones have both said they're in talks for extensions I don't think they're going to come out and get the 15 mil a year that Kamara got because Kamara obviously came out like a rocket as a rookie and just been producing ever since even injured last year I think Aaron Jones had an amazing season last year but even the years prior he was injured so that's where I think is going to lower his value just a tiny bit and I think that they're going to resign him. I do want the Packers to resign him because I think he is, like I said before, the player that fits with Aaron Rodgers. They're on the same wavelength and he fits Matt LaFleur's scheme with his speed, his size. It's just meant to be right now. And I think they're going to have to resign him. And another sidetrack on that, on another sidetrack, he just put out David Bakhtiari just put out something about the cap. He said, look at what the chiefs did. He said they had 100000 in cap space. They were able to extend Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes, and a bunch of other players and sign them. He pointed out that they're possibly in contract talks 
with him showing that. So, yeah, that, that that's my thing is uh, I think they're going to keep Aaron Jones because I think the cap space, yeah, the whole, oh, it's a myth thing, but I just think that they're going to have to keep him if they want to keep this offensive evolving each year. I don't know why we still live in an NFL community where there are people that are like, hey, you do not pay running backs. I don't care what they do, what they play like. You do not pay running backs. I think there are certain ones, and the ones that I would pay, it was a McCaffrey. It is a Kamara. Even Zeke is worth the money. Um, Aaron Jones, with the way he's been playing, is worth the money. I will go as far to say if he looks healthy off his knee injury, which I feel terrible for the kid that he just tore his ACL, if Saquon Barkley looks good off his injury, you pay a Saquon Barkley. There are certain running backs you can still pay, and there are people who just feel like you can't, and they have to get over that mindset. It is not the same league it was back then. There are certain teams that know how to limit their running backs' touches, and now it's not about getting the ball 25 times on a handoff. It's, hey, it's like 18 times on a handoff, and six receiving, you're not taking that much of a beating. I think teams do a better job of that. But not trying to get too off tangent, I want to talk about the quarterbacks. Obviously, that's where all the eyes are going to go towards this weekend. Everyone's going to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and who's going to win this game. Is it going to be one of those, whoever has the ball last walks out with a W? That's going to be the question. In terms of yards and efficient game, who are you going with? I think this is probably a no-brainer for you considering he's been the better quarterback this year by a wide margin. But are you rolling with Rodgers for this one? Yeah, I'm rolling with Rodgers because of the mechanics fixes he's had from seeing the 2010-2011 tape and then putting it into his 2020 play. It showed so far of his decision-making as well. So that's why I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. No disrespect to Drew Brees. I've seen a couple of the accuracy issues as well in the first couple weeks. I've also seen that kind of the weaker throws coming from Drew. I'm not throwing disrespect to Drew. I just think the age wall is there, and I don't think he should stop playing. I think the Saints are smart by evolving their offense around what his capabilities are. I just think Rodgers, with the bigger arm, the better accuracy, he's going to have a bigger day. So this this goes out to all the people who aren't for – let me tell you something, Dave. I am okay with people questioning when quarterbacks aren't playing well, like Drew Brees not playing well deserves questioning. What I am not okay with are fans that will hit me up on Twitter – and there are a couple that DM'd me on Monday night while the game was going on. Hey, man, we got to bench Breeze for Winston. And I was like, look, I, I hope there's this Jameis revenge plot where he just, you know, LASIK fixes his eye issue, his vision issue, and all of a sudden this guy's throwing the football around the park and he looks great. But in what is possibly Drew Brees' final year, and I think this is his last season, I don't think the Saints two games in are like, hey, yeah, screw Drew. Let's just go start Jameis Winston, who, by the way, led the league in interceptions last year. It's like if we had a better backup option, I'd say okay. But the fact that people are so eager to kick him out the door for Jameis Winston drives me nuts. This is how I feel about Drew Brees going into this game. I think he's going to be better. I think we're going to see a vintage Drew Brees performance in the fact that he's not going to throw over the top. He's not going to beat you that way, but I think he's going to complete 70% of his passes. He's going to look efficient. He'll have about 260, 270 yards passing, and he'll look good. That being said, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the better quarterback in this game. I think Drew Brees is going to silence those critics for at least a week so they can get off his back and say he still has it. He's still capable of going up against good quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, but you got to take the hot hand. And also, you got to take a guy who's been an MVP contention right now. I know the MVP award doesn't get handed out after two weeks, but if you did a poll, it's got to be between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson at this stage with the way they're playing football and throwing it around. So I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers for this one as well, although I do think that Drew Brees is going to play much better in this one. Now, this one's a fun one for you because this one has to do with a couple of former Packers. Which former Packer do you think has the best revenge game? Ty Montgomery, Jared Cook, 
or Taysom Hill, although Taysom Hill wasn't there for too long. I'm saying Jared Cook. I regret Ted Thompson not signing him and going for Martellus Bennett for some weird reason. Ted Thompson had dementia in his last couple years as a GM. I don't know what he was thinking because Jared Cook went to the Raiders, produced, went to the Saints, has produced, and it just bothers me that we're still having a trying to find a tight end that can make a difference. And Jared Cook caught the pass in the Dallas game for the Packers that sent them to the NFC Championship that year. So that's why I'm very – that's why I'm very high on Jared Cook. He has been injured throughout his career, but he also had guys like Sam Bradford for the first part of his career, a big chunk, and it ruined his first part of his career because Sam Bradford was Mr. Glass. You couldn't say his name without him snapping an arm. So that's why I think Jared Cook is going to be the one that has the best revenge game. He's going to show the Packers why, hey, you shouldn't have let me go. And I just think he's a talented tight end. I think he's able to split out wide. And even though his age, he's still able to show that he can play. I, I don't fear Ty Montgomery. I have no ill will feelings against him. But uh, he had one solid year with us for becoming a high, running back hybrid type guy. But I've never been high on him. Taysom Hill is a weapon X. But I think Jared Cook's definitely the guy to watch in this game. Yeah, Jared Cook is going to go down as having one of the best playoff catches we've ever seen. That playoff catch against the Cowboys was phenomenal. Obviously, if he was on the Packers offense, it would take them to a whole new level uh, right now. And I think I'm also going to go with Jared Cook. Look, Ty Montgomery, I'm kind of disappointed with not in his play and that the Saints haven't found some type of role for him. I think he's not a great player, but he's a versatile player. And I'm surprised the Saints haven't found a role for him where they could get him five to six touches a game and see what he can do there. I would love to see some Taysom Hill. It's been two weeks. They have not used him enough. I am going to bang that drum nine times out of 10 that the Saints need to use Taysom Hill. And I'm not saying as a quarterback, I'm saying get the guy on the field because he's a good football player. I don't care about what he does as a quarterback, but the guy did have 19 catches for over 200 receiving yards and six touchdowns last year. He's just a football player in every sense of the word. So I would like to see him, but I'm going to go Jared Cook as well. Now it's only Wednesday at the time of us recording this. So it's kind of tough to make a prediction here, but if you had to, who are you going with for this Sunday night game? Are you going with your Packers or do you think the Saints end up bouncing back with a win? Well, streaks are meant to be broken. Packers haven't won there since 95. I know that the Saints have played a little bit better talent, but I am going with the Packers on this one. Not, not trying to be a homer, but the fact that Rodgers in the offense is just playing in rhythm, in flow. And plus, Matt LaFleur, going into the half of the Detroit game, they were down 14-3 and then just got a touchdown and then got another one right before and were able to go up 17-14 because Detroit made a couple of mistakes. But he did go in the locker room and chew out the defense. He had the whole defense separated in the locker room on the other side, and he specifically told them, he goes, is this the way you play? Is this the way you're, you're supposed to be a Packers defense? He goes, I don't care. There's no fans. Fans, he goes, you set the tone. You're the ones that helped get us through last season, and you're going to get us through this season as well, and chew them out, Chris. And I, it just lit a fire underneath them, and I think that's also going to carry into tonight's game because the past couple seasons with this defense is something that I've seen, especially last year, it's able to kind of take a lot of the load on the shoulders and help change the game instead of just being Aaron Rodgers in the offense. Because last time the Packers played here in New Orleans, it was just the offense. The defense was non-existent. And that's why I'm going to put the Packers here because they've got a balanced team just like the Saints do. But I just – Rodgers in that play and 
him just having fun, relaxing, being that California dude that he is. And when he's in that mode, he's in that zone. That's what makes him even dangerous. But the Smith brothers, I think, even though the good tackles with the Saints, I think they go inside and blitz a lot with Kenny Clark and Zadarius. I just think they get to Drew a little bit more than anticipated, and I think it creates a couple turnovers. I'm so torn on this game because if you're going off who's been the better team, who looks good going into this game, I don't even think it's close. I think it's Green Bay by a mile. And on the other hand, it's almost like, what do you think of New Orleans? It's like, what did we think going into this year? We thought Super Bowl contender. Well, here's the thing. If they fall down 1-2, they still have a chance to crawl back. Their next two games are against the Lions and the Chargers, both games that they should be able to win, especially with one being at home and the other one being inside a dome. They'll be fine. But at the same time, if you lose a game after you got punched in the mouth by Vegas and everyone's talking about Drew Brees looks old, he does not look good anymore, what happened to the defense? If you are going to be a championship team, you need to be able to bounce back. And I think that's something that a lot of teams did well last year. I think the Niners did it well. I think the Packers did it well. I think even the Saints, all three teams were 13-3 and last year, and they all did it so well where when they got punched in the mouth, they didn't lose a consecutive game. It was almost like, okay, we're going to go on a little win streak here, and we're going to show you what we're made of. For the Saints here, if they do lose this one, it's not, you know, the sky isn't falling. The season isn't over. They wanted to. It's still early. And they're usually historically 500 in September under Sean Payton. But at the same time, it's it's a back-to-back loss that's tough to swallow. And I'd like to think they learned something from Sunday, from a Monday against the Raiders. And I'm not saying that this is going to be one of those games that the Saints look back on and it turns the season around because it's so freaking early. I don't know. But if this is it for Drew Brees, he's got to play well. He's got to play well. And if he doesn't, that's it. Then we're going to look at the rest of the season, the Saints being a 10-6 and six football team where – They're just getting by when Breeze feels like he has it. So I think this is a statement game. And this isn't a statement game for the Saints to say, hey, look, we are an NFC contender or we're better than the Packers because, again, like I said, it's September. But if Drew Breeze is going to be the guy for them this year, if he's going to actually still be the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, he has to play better. They're going to be at home. They're just coming off a tough loss. Drew Breeze is usually good against the Packers when he's at home on road. At the road, it's a different story. I'm going to go with the Saints 27-24, and I don't feel comfortable about this pick at all, and I'm probably going to regret it after the game's over on Sunday. But there's Even something- with Michael Thomas out? Even with Michael Thomas out, I think there's something to be said about all-time great players when they get absolutely put to the curb and everyone says they can't do it anymore. Do you have that answer? I know Tom Brady has it. I know Aaron Rodgers has had it before. Now it's Drew Brees' time. If Drew Brees can't play well, then all right, I'm ready to settle on, yeah, he's like Alex Smith at best in terms of game managing or even Teddy Bridgewater, and the Saints have to get by by that. I think Drew Brees needs to play well. If he doesn't play well, that's it. We're going to talk about this issue for the rest of the season. If he plays well, I think it will light a fire under the guys, and I think they'll somehow have a great performance. And I don't know. I'm, I'm going to buy into that voodoo a little bit. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have an MVP season. I think when we're done with this year, we're going to talk about him being in the running for it. But I'm going to buy into that New Orleans voodoo for some freaking reason. And I'm going to say Drew Brees has to step up. And this is more heart over mind because, like I said, the Packers have been a better team. But this is the last stand for Drew Brees. He took a lot of shit this week for the way he played, and a lot of it was deserved, if not all of it. Now's the time to get up off the mat and show that you could still fight. And if you can, obviously, we'll have a different discussion next week. But I'm going with one, and I'm not – I really don't feel comfortable with it. Saints-Packers, I'll probably regret it on Monday, Dave, and you'll probably hit me up on Twitter about that prediction. But – that's where I'm at right now. We'll, we'll see what happens, though, especially if Michael Thomas doesn't play. I mean, even if he does play, he's going to be a decoy. I don't think he's going to be – if you have a high ankle sprain, I know you've had him, I've had him, and we're not NFL athletes. A high ankle sprain will put you up for th- at least three weeks. So 
And I get these are NFL players that can take cortisone shots and all that stuff, but I don't care that that high ankle sprain is something not to be messed with. And to me, if the Saints want to have a shot at winning and going to the playoffs later in the season, they need Michael Thomas to be healthy. And I get it. It's a Green Bay game. It's a feature game in New Orleans. But Michael Thomas, if, I, if I'm an NFL player, I would sit for the better of my team to heal up and come back. That's what Devontae Adams did last year. He sat for those four weeks with his turf toe and let it heal up rather than trying to come back too early. Oh, Dave, I'm with you 100%. If you're telling me I got to make the call, I'm sitting him. I am, I'm not playing him at all because, again, like you said, you reaggravated. Okay, great. Now you're out for an extra three, four weeks, whatever it might be, if not more. Um, and the other thing, like we said, it's also early. You don't – do you want to win this game? Absolutely. You want to win every game you go, out, you go out there. But it's not about winning week three. It's about having him for week five, week six, week ten, whatever, down the road and being able to produce. So I, I would not play him, but I do think they'll get Marcus Davenport back. I think he'll be able to add some pressure on Rodgers. And now, look, if they don't get pressure on Rodgers, he's going to have all day to throw and he's going to light up a secondary, which is talented, but is very inconsistent, as we saw. Week one plays well against Brady. Week two – makes Derek Carr look like the next coming of Aaron Rodgers. So not exactly a trustworthy secondary there, but this is more for me, just a, a mentality thing about Drew Brees. And, and maybe I'm getting too much into it. And it's like, I'm being biased because he's been my quarterback for so long. And, and, and he's someone who I've loved watching on Sundays. I don't think he's elite anymore. I don't even think he's top five, top seven, but I think for one game light, you know, the lights are shining on him. I think he will step up and play a good football game. And how about Emmanuel Sanders? Emmanuel Sanders has to start playing some football. The first two weeks, he's got four catches for, I believe, less than 30 yards total. He has not been great for this team. How about he shows up and plays some good football as well? Um, and they'll need a big game from Kamara. But I think it's going to be an interesting game nonetheless. And obviously, I'll see on Monday what happens. I don't feel confident about this prediction. I never felt confident about it before the season started and I saw the schedule. And I, don't, I definitely don't feel confident about the Saints going to Vegas and, you know, throwing up a dud there. Um, so we'll see. I think the Packers definitely deserve to have the edge. This is me just going with heart over mind on this one. Um, but anyway, Dave, before I wrap up, please let everyone know where they can find you again once again on social media and also where to find your podcast. Yep, you can find me at Heavy D Show or Heavy D's Football Show on Twitter, and then my personal account, at Dave Stager 731 on Twitter. And I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to my co-host, Jimmy Smith Hall of Fame. If you want to support Jimmy Smith on trying to get him in the Hall of Fame, it's hashtag Jimmy Smith H-O-F. The guy has some top 25 stats across the board in top receiver yards. He's been there for a while since retiring in 2005, and he's still sitting there waiting to get in. So, Jimmy Smith, we're going to keep supporting you. Chris, thank you for having me on for this Packers and Saints discussion. I love it. And as you can see, I'm a rational Packers fan. I'm not a, I'm not a crazy guy to think, like, oh, we're going to blow up the Saints. I just lost to the Raiders. That I'm not one of those guys. I know where the Packers' weaknesses are, and I expect the running game in Kamara and Murray to have a big game. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Obviously, I appreciate you coming on. And – you don't even have to be rational if you want. The Packers are playing fantastic football. I know you decide to be rational, um, and I definitely appreciate it. But the Packers are playing fantastic. We'll see if they bring that over to the Saints game on Sunday. It's going to be a good one. Only thing that's missing are the fans. I think it would have been great to have fans in the Superdome for that one between two quarterbacks who are two of the best. I thought New world. Orleans said they were going to have so, fans in the so, stands um, for week three. So here's what happened. They, they got approved. And then all of a sudden, the mayor pulled back and said, not yet, maybe October. So that got pulled out. And I, oh. that's important. 
really unfortunate because this is one of those games where fans should be there. And, and it, it also sucks because the first two games for the Saints, at home at least, how about that? You get Tom Brady and his new team, and then you get Aaron Rodgers. Those are two of the best quarterbacks we've seen over the last 20 years. To not have fans for that one, it really does stink. Um, especially if this is Drew Brees' farewell tour. Brees versus Brady, Brees versus Rodgers. Those are ones that fans want to get a ticket for, for sure. But once again, Dave, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. As for no my fans, get ready for an entertaining game. It's going to be a good one. I cannot promise you a victory. This Packers team looks fantastic, um, and they are definitely going to be a threat for the majority of this year, and they could take it all the way and go to the Super Bowl. We do not know just yet, but it should be a good one. Once again, guys, if you haven't already subscribed, to the podcast on iTunes at Straight Up Saints. And also check out Dave's show, the Heavy D Football Show, with him and Jimmy Smith, a fantastic one for all things NFL and all things NFL draft and college football. Great stuff across the board. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and get ready for an absolute shootout between the Packers and the New Orleans Saints. Game of the week.